Welcome to the CCF Podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. Okay. Hi, I'm Natalie. (laughs) I'm alive. I am one of the six or seven staff members here at CCF, and you have walked into our semester-long series thinking and engaging in the crucifixion and trying to see what the crucifixion means for, for us and what it was. Together, we've been exploring through the four different passion accounts, and Keevan took us through the book of Mark, and we saw about fear on the cross. And then Leah talked with us about Matthew and the idea of God's hiddenness. And then we had Nate that talked about the kingdom of God in the book of Luke and how God shows up in unexpected places. Derek and Reed have explored different implications of the crucifixion, like justification and power and Jesus as our victor. And on Other nights, we've had our friends within our community, like students and alumni and friends of staff that have explored those implications of the crucifixion in their own life. And so this morning, I get to share with you um, from John's account and the things that I've been learning about the crucifixion and what that could mean. So you don't have to spend a lot of time in John to realize that he writes in a very different way, and the ideas and the events that he looks at are quite different in some regards than the other three synoptic gospel writers. So sitting in John's narrative, for me, there were two things that began to pique my interest as I was reading and spending time there. And the first is that the crucifixion, so the portion of the week upon which Jesus actually dies, um, where these other writers have spent a lot of time exploring and looking at, is only nine words and half of a sentence in John. It says, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And so noticing that, I began to think about John's work as a whole and notice that John spent a lot of time talking about the Passover meal or the Last Supper. This takes about like five chapters of his book, but yet his crucifixion is only nine words. And so during this meal, John records a foot washing between Jesus and his disciples, and then a conversation between Jesus and his disciples all the way up into his trial. So we're going to begin um, in John 13, and we're gonna read the beginning of that meal. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. 
Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was about to betray him. And that was why he said, not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know who I've chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place that when it does take place, that you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. When he had gone out talking about Judas, Jesus said, now is the son of, God, the son of man glorified, and God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him and himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you, and you will seek me just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So after reading this, I began to wonder, why does John include this foot washing instead of the traditional elements of communion that we see in the other three accounts, like the wine and the bread? And why does John, after the foot washing, remember this long conversation? So we began the first part of that. Um, between Jesus and the disciples that no one else really records besides this dialogue where Simon Peter, um, Jesus predicts that he's going to betray him. So this conversation in which Jesus talks with his disciples about these things that he wanted them to know, which is love and the glory of God and this idea of abiding and remaining in him, this idea of he is going to return and not abandon them, that he is their master and he does not see them as a slave, but yet a friend that he wants them to remember and to have peace and to have life. And so I'm consumed with this idea, trying to figure out what is going on here. And as I'm trying to, I'm asking these questions and trying to figure it out, I am concurrently also reading other things. And one of those things I was reading is Franz Wright's book of poetry called Walking to Martha's Vineyard. And he can't, I came across this poem and it's called The First Supper, so we're going to read it together. Death, heaven, bread, breath, and the sea. Here to scare me, but I too will be fed by the other food that I know nothing of. The breath, the death, the sea of it. Day when the almond does not blossom and the grasshopper drags itself along. But if you can make a star from nothing, you can raise me up. And so while I read this poem, I begin to wonder if John's account of the Last Supper is directing us towards a different idea of Jesus feeding us with his, serv 
his service and his actions. That idea that the act of foot washing, Jesus is demonstrating that humble, humiliating act of love through the self-service that is representative of him dying on the cross. That didn't just happen in that one moment of the crucifixion, but maybe perhaps the entirety of his life. And I wondered if Jesus was showing us maybe the mundane tasks in our life. So the foot washing would have been a task that the lowest slave would have given to do. Maybe he was inviting us to recognize something, the mundane parts of our life into holy significance. And I began to wonder if Jesus was not just inviting the disciples into fellowship with him, but maybe one another. And so maybe he was initiating another way for us to participate and interpret communion this idea of this new covenant between God and his people, another way to remember him, maybe through our actions or reading his word or trying to live in a community, relying on his spirit to do things, giving us a different way to turn and remember and to engage in this eternal life that John later describes in his book, that we may know the one and true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Is that what France was talking about, to be maybe fed by the other food I know nothing of, illuminating this conversation that Jesus has after the foot washing with his disciples? Was it talking about being fed by the kingdom of God, revealed through big and small events and the people that we are interacting with? Is it pointing to just not just a life of servitude, but a bigger invitation of being fed and maybe participating in that feeding? And so as I'm rereading these things and still mulling around, um, Psalm 119 that Alan read to us previously um, just keeps running and coursing through my mind. And so I'm going to read one more part that Alan previously read. Um, it says, my life is down in the dust. Give me life through your word. I told you about my life and you listened to me. Teach me your statutes. Help me understand the meaning of your precepts so that I can meditate on your wonders. I am weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. Keep me from the way of deceit and graciously give me your instruction. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set your ordinances before me. I cling to your decrees. Lord, do not put me to shame. I pursue the way of your commands for you broaden my understanding. And I think this psalm came to my mind because I remember a couple of years ago, reading this Psalm 119 in a time in my life where I was desperately praying for a situation that involved another person to no longer consume me. And I'm reading about this life and this peace and freedom and love that this Psalter writes about and the tension that, of him also wanting to engage and believe that those things are true and right. And so I began praying these, pray these lines in the Psalm and I think that I was praying, I was hoping that scripture would give me comfort and peace. But I think that while those things were true, and that was a good prayer, what I was really praying was this audacious prayer that maybe the Lord began to answer that I would not just look at the word in the way that we see the Pharisees and that black and white ink um, to follow them and that, that that would be the solution to giving me peace, but rather it was beginning to love the word because of the posture that it put me in. The posture that allowed me to partake maybe a little bit closer to what Jesus is pointing to through the foot washing and that new commandment to love one another. Because looking back, it's easier to see that I was being reoriented and redirected through seeing God in my day through the, main, the mundane and maybe through the little moments 
and beginning to understand that every moment was holy and really grasping that in a new light. And maybe it was because I was beginning to see it through the lens that we see Franz talk about in his poem. I realized I was being fed by things I didn't know, know of. I was being held in the situation by the community that was around me and the food that was feeding my body and was giving me life to live with God was throughout my day. It was roof sits with my roommate and her endless mercy and grace when my shortcomings didn't quite make the mark and she <laughs> met me in that moment and gave me fun instead. It was maybe enjoying my morning coffee at 5.30 and sitting in the stillness and feeling God's presence with me. Maybe it was meeting up with my college student, Hannah, at Cruz Farms for ice cream every week. And maybe it was the, my students that I worked with that would come and give me their hand-drawn drawings and do a dance for me instead of doing their work. And maybe it was the dinners at someone in my life group, Sarah and Raleigh, and maybe it was Allison that in between taking her son, Henry, to his um, therapy appointments, that they would stop at my house and come sit with me and listen to me talk as I tried to figure out how to make a tough decision. And maybe it's my friends that have driven this morning or this weekend to play music for us and breakfast waffles. And maybe it was Jordan sitting with me yesterday on the floor trying to figure out how to piece this all together. And maybe that was what I was being fed of by the food that I knew nothing of because I was beginning to recognize that God was in all of those moments with me. And so I began to wonder if you want to understand the crucifixion that maybe you have to live in the body of Christ, which means among people. You cannot partake in the wine and the bread and the repentance and the remembrance and grasp the fullness of the mystery. You have to partake in the living kingdom of God, which is amongst people, which is here now. And just like how John, at his end of his book, he writes that he wrote this book so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. And so it might be that discovering the kingdom of God through our communities and by participating in the fellowship of Jesus's new command through loving each other as he demonstrates through the chapters 14 through 17, that we begin to understand the mystery a little bit clearer of what it is to have life in his name. And perhaps John spends so much time remembering and writing about this conversation Jesus has with his disciples and the foot washing during the Last Supper because they illuminate what the crucifixion is all about. I think John is inviting us to recognize the foot washing as a different type of communion that we participate in. And that's not to replace the act of communion or the elements of communion, but rather a way for us to participate what the communion is all about which is the crucifixion. The crucifixion is not just a story about the actual death of Jesus, but rather it points to the life that he lived and the way in which he lived it, because the crucifixion only makes sense in light of how he lived that life, which is also the manner in which he invites us to live. So that is what I have for you this morning. Um, one of the ways to engage with John, I'm going to offer on Thursday at 5 um, p.m. to come and have a meal with me and to read the entirety of Psalm 119 in its fullness, which is the longest psalm, 176 verses. So come join me. Um, and today, instead of doing our typical communion with the bread and the grape juice, 
um, we are going to do a foot washing. And so we will have Emma and Taylor release us from our rows. You do not have to participate in the foot washing. If you do not want to, you can remain in your seat. But we're going to ask that you take off your socks and your shoes and you will walk barefoot down to the foot washing stations um, when it is time. And so before we begin this time of foot washing or communion, I am going to read us from John 6 um, what Jesus talks about um, in the typical traditional way of communion. John 6, 25 through 29. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, I assure you, you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has sent his seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. And Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you may believe in the one he has sent.